1: Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of La Liga Lowdown, an episode that's part of our series telling the history of every club in Spanish football's top division. I'm your host Jim McTeer and we've got some excellent guests coming up as we tell the story of Elche. This is a club from the Valencian community, it's a fairly small club in relative terms when we talk about Spanish football but I'll be honest, from researching for this episode their history is a lot richer than I actually expected and there's so many twists and turns along the way. So let's get into it and let's start off by looking back on a few of their special moments. Fue el 18 de mayo de 2013, 25 años después, el Elche Football Club de Fútbol ascendía a Primera División. Lo hizo a las 8 menos 10 de la tarde en el hotel de concentración en Almería y sin jugar. El empate del Alcorcón contra el Barça B hizo el Elche equipo de Primera.
2: Esto se tiene que acabar el pitar? ¡Final! El Elche
3: está
1: en segunda división. El Elche está en segunda división.
3: Fidel, Fidel saca el centro Peramilla La
1: We heard there the audio of just a few of Elche's more recent promotions, but There were several other promotions in the past too. This is a club that has been up and down the divisions over their existence. So let's start hearing more about their history. We've got Roman de Arcaire coming up to tell us about the early years of Elche. He'll be up after just a quick listen to part of the Elche club hymn.
2: The story of Elche Club de Futbol began with a bang, literally. It was at the Vicente Alvarac fireworks display when the decision to form the club was taken. Leaders of the existing city teams agreed to form one club to represent the people and officially registered Elche in January 1923. In August 1926, their famous Altavik Stadium was inaugurated. It was Elche's proud home for half a century, and this old ground still provokes feelings of nostalgia and affection among fans. There is a fascinating story behind their distinctive shirt. In 1927, Czech coach Anton Fivber noticed that the majority of clubs wore plain white shirts. He added a simple yet striking feature to Elche's kit, the horizontal green stripe, distinctive Identifiable and aesthetically pleasing, it continues to the present day. One of their nicknames, Los Franjiverdes, refers to this uniquely charming characteristic. Yet trouble arrived after the 1949-50 season when Elche refused to compete in a replayed relegation playoff. They were heavily sanctioned and demoted. With internal conflict and mountain debts, Elche were on the brink of collapse. But Salvation came through a cooperative group led by President Pascual Anton Moyá. They were able to settle debts with players and the Spanish Federation. The club's website describes it as one of the most endearing gestures in the history of the club. Paco La Huerta was the selfless symbol of the cause, dedicated to sustaining the club as he helped with administration, finance and even maintenance tasks. This group knew that the soul of this special club was worth saving. The legacy of the debt prevented much investment in the squad, and results reflected this. But in 1955, Jose Esquitino arrived as president, and their sporting fortunes began to change for the better. The cooperative was disbanded, the debt was cleared, and the obsession of reaching the top tier of Spanish football was finally realized. At the start of 1957-58, Elche were in the third division, but had just signed Barcelona goal-scoring legend. Cesar Rodríguez as player-coach. At the age of 37, he led a blistering attacking side which scored 147 goals to reach Segunda. They didn't stop there, and stormed to -to back-to-back promotion scoring 73 goals in 30 matches led by Honduran forward Jose Cardona. Elche played their first ever La Liga match on September 13, 1959, and they scored a late equalizer away to Real Oviedo in a 1-1 draw. A week later, their maiden home match in the top flight was one to remember. The mighty Barcelona came to Alta as Cesar faced off against his old club. A special occasion was marked with a victory as Eche came from behind to win 2-1. The club went on to finish 10th as Cesar retired from playing and he left to coach Real Zaragoza. The 1960s was the golden era for Elche. In 1962, Esquitino was replaced as president by Manuel Martinez Valero, and then their best finish came in 1964 under Paraguayan coach Heriberto Herrera. After many clubs had fallen at Fortress Altavix, Elche were in the title race, but they fell away. Nonetheless, they finished 5th. Elche continued to be an established name in La Liga, but changed coaches frequently. Lustrous names like Alfredo Di Stefano and Ferdinand Daucic even occupied the benches in the 1960s. In 1968, Roque Maspoli was appointed. He was a Uruguayan goalkeeper in the 1950 World Cup triumph over Brazil, the infamous Maracanazo. He had coached Peñarol to Copa Libertadores' glory in 1966, and then beat the great Real Madrid side of Miguel Muñoz in the Intercontinental Cup. Maspoli seemed to have their number, as his Elche side were the only team to beat Real Madrid in the 1968-69 season on another jubilant day at Altavix. Elche then achieved their best ever Copa del Rey performance, reaching the final in 1969. Much like today, there was a South American flavor to Los Ilicitanos, featuring three Paraguayans in their squad. One of them, Juan Casco, became a cult hero. He had failed to score all season, but fired Elche to the final with four goals across three legs of the semi-final against Real Sociedad. The fans were jubilant and travelled to Madrid in huge numbers for the big day. They faced Basque Giants Athletic but could not surpass the final hurdle. After having had to play a tiebreaker in the semi, the final came just five days later and Elche fell 1-0 to a late goal. It was a defeat, but a proud day for the club. Sadly, just two seasons later, they were relegated. After 12 seasons, their longest run in La Liga was over and their golden age was finished. They returned in 1973, but fell again in 1978 and spent most of the rest of the century in Segunda or even lower. Altavix had witnessed many historic occasions, but a new stadium was needed. Ready in 1976, it was posthumously named after the former president Martínez Valero, who sadly passed away in May 1983. But before that, he saw his stadium debut with a match between Elche and the Mexican national team, and he also saw the stadium host World Cup matches in 1982. Hungary's 10-1 win over El Salvador remains the biggest scoreline in World Cup history, a game that took place at Elche's ground. The 1990s were a troublesome decade, with Elche languishing in Segunda B and financial strife returning. Although one bright spark was the debut of another product from their academy, Juan Francisco Martínez Modesto, better known as Nino. As we're about to hear, he features heavily as the Elche story reaches the new millennium.
1: Let's not waste any time then, let's hear the story of what Elche have been up to in the new millennium. Here's Paco Pollitt to pick up the story.
3: After the horrible decade, which had come before the turn of the century, Elche would have remaining in Segunda as their main goal for a number of years. It wouldn't be an easy task, as they suffered themselves in the last game of the 2000-2001 season, when they had to level a two-goal disadvantage against Compostela to cling to the 18th place and remain safe. The following year, things looked much better, with Elche finishing 5th Presidents came and went, and their chair remained a hot seat for anyone daring enough to tackle such a daunting task. Three different individuals took the position between the year 2000 and 2003, but only one of them was able to see it through. Ramón Sánchez became president in July 2003 and delivered a bit of much-needed stability to a side which wouldn't really suffer to remain, but who lacked the tools to fight regularly for promotion. That changed the following year, with Josu Uribe as the coach, fighting for the top spots in the first half of the season and even knocking out Deportivo La Coruña in Copa del Rey in an incredible evening at the Martínez Valero ground. Also, the local derby was resurrected in the 05-06 season against Hercules, with two excellent atmospheres both at the Martínez Valero and also at the José Rico Pérez grounds, even though both showdowns ended in a draw. Also, club legend Nino left Elche at the end of the season after almost a decade playing for the club. Jose Sepulcre was named president mid season and took on the task of rebuilding the team once again. In 2007, he handpicked Luis García Plaza as the manager, but sacked him after only 19 games, where the team had only picked up 19 points. A veteran coach like David Vidal, a classic personality of the Spanish football world, was brought in to steer the ship in the right direction. And he surely did, finishing the year comfortably in the mid-table. David Vidal's second season was, similarly, a relative success, finishing 10th after spending the whole competition in the upper half of the standings summer 2008 wasn't particularly kind for the club as elche only picked up two points in the first seven games sepulcre sacked vidal and picked former elche player claudio barragan as his replacement the switch in the dugout was a success as the team quickly escaped the relegation battle and comfortably finished in the 11th place however claudio's stint as the coach wouldn't last much longer as he was dismissed in october 2009 after a very tough loss in the local derby against hercules A young coach named José Bordalás, who had made a name for himself in the last 15 years by coaching several of the most successful third- and fourth-tier football sides in the Valencian region, was appointed as the new manager. His impact was immediate, and Elche delivered a wonderful second half of the season, finishing sixth and especially reinvigorating the fanbase with some extraordinary wins against more powerful sides and a 27-year-old striker named Jorge Molina, who scored 26 goals and backed the Pichichi Trophy in Segunda. Bordalás's two two and a half seasons at the helm were a turning point for Elche, who went from scrappy team fighting for survival to... An equally scrappy team, full of ambition and battling for the dream of promotion. In his second season, Bordalas took Elche to the fourth place, just behind Barca B, who couldn't promote to La Liga. Unfortunately for them, the competition format had been modified the summer before and now a playoff had to take place. Elche had chances literally till the last minute of the postseason, but Granada got the upper hand after a goalless draw in the way leg and a 1-1 final score in the Martínez Valero thanks to the double value of the goal scored away from home. After being so close to success, the 2011-2012 season began with high hopes of once again trying to win promotion, but after spending the middle third of the campaign within the top six places, the team lost the edge and ultimately Bordalas was sacked after matchday 33. Such disappointment was turned around only 12 months later. In May 2013, Elche were back to Primera after a 24-year absence thanks to a magnificent season under coach Fran Escrivá, who built a rock-solid, record-breaking squad, picking up 49 points out of the 63 in the best first half ever of the competition. Elche went up after being top of the league for the whole season, from match day 1 to matchday 42, a feat that no side had managed to do ever before. Escribas' three years at the club were an incredible success, as he was able to keep his side in Primera for two consecutive seasons, fighting to the last breath in the final games, but surviving nonetheless. However, Elche's financial situation was extremely delicate, and that ultimately proved to be the cause of their demise. In summer 2015, La Liga decided to relegate Elche to Segunda because of their debts, and only the effort of Elche society and fans pulling together financial resources was able to stop yet another relegation to Segunda B. But the club had to start from scratch. After Sepulchre left and caretakers stabilized the situation, Rubén El Pipo Baraja was appointed as the manager and the team was able to keep their place in Segunda without much effort, and with Sergio León scoring 22 for them. In 2016, a new president was named in April, Diego García Juan, and two club legends were back that following summer. Defender Eduard Bacar, who had, by the way, retired one year earlier, and striker Nino, who returned home after a decade away from Elche. Coach Rubén Baraja left the club. Unfortunately, the 16-17 season was an absolute disaster class, sending Elche straight to Segunda B 18 years later. And it could have been much worse, as their performance the following season under Vicente Mir and Josico Moreno was lackluster and far from the goal of bouncing back. José Rojo Pacheta was appointed the third manager of that apparently doomed season in February 2018. As it happened back in the day under José Bordalás, such decision was one of the biggest turning points of the century for them. They squeezed into the playoff and, after knocking out Villarreal's B-team in the final round, they won promotion to Segunda. With almost no time to prepare for the upcoming season, they managed to keep their consistency and, after a very slow start, finished comfortably mid-table. And then, one of the most inspiring success stories of the decade took place. How Little Elche, who only aspired to remain and have a quiet 1920 season, surprisingly snatched the sixth spot after the COVID-19 break, a 2-1 win against Oviedo in their last game, and the whole Deportivo fue la Brada controversy. How Little Elche beat Zaragoza with a historic Nino late goal in La Romareda, And how Little Elche, against favorites Girona, earned a spot in La Liga on August 23, 2020, with a 96th minute win in Montilivi, an epic Per goal, and a celebration for the ages with manager Pacheta, hailed as the club's miracle man by their fan base.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com Acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at Burrow.com Acast.
1: So we've heard all about Elche's history from Roman and Paco there and several interesting characters have come up along the way. We're going to delve a little deeper now into a few of their stories with Matt Clark He's picked three all-time Elche legends, and he's going to explain why each is special in their own right. And of course, the first one is Nino.
5: Their very own Peter Pan, his career mirrors the journey of the club from the late 1990s onwards. He epitomises the ups and downs, the pride and the pain. Making his debut as an 18-year-old in the third division in 1998, fans quickly took him to their hearts. At the end of that season, Elche were in the promotion playoffs, and needed to beat Melilla to keep their hopes alive. With the score at 1-1, all seemed lost, but Nino scored in the 93rd minute to send the crowd at the Martinez Valero into raptures. He stayed at Elche until 2006, but that shot at La Liga eluded them. His prolific record meant that he made the jump to the top flight, but it sadly wasn't with Elche. A decade later, Nino, now 36, returned home to the Frankie Verdi side, but Elche were relegated again and Nino found himself back where it all began in the third tier. The dream of playing for Elche in La Liga was slipping away as the years passed by. Q 2019-20, the season of the miracle. Elche scraped into the playoffs, and after a cagey semi-final, 40-year-old Nino scored late on in the second leg to send them to the final. The rest, as they say, is history. The record appearance maker and all-time top scorer for Elche and in Segunda was finally able to represent his club in the best league in the world. The second legend is perhaps a bit left-field, but a worthy inclusion. It must be remembered that in the middle of the 20th century, Elche very nearly ceased to exist. The financial problems were so stark that the very survival of the club was in peril. Step forward Paco Lacuerta, a player who led the cooperative which saved the club. He became the personification of the cause, leading by example as everyone came together to keep the club ticking over, from admin, to maintenance, to painting the walls of the stadium. Their true affection and dedication to the club enabled it to survive and grow securely. Without La Huerta and his group, there would never have been promotion, the Copper run or the likes of Nino wearing the famous shirt. More recently, financial problems had hurt Elche once again, with administrative demotion from La Liga soon followed by relegation to the third tier in 2017. Pacheta arrived in the second half of 2017-18 and instantly worked his magic. They went unbeaten for the remainder of the regular season before getting past the B-teams of Sporting Gijón and Villarreal. Back in the Segunda, consolidation was required and that's what Pacheta delivered. 11th out of 22 is about as securely mid-table as you can hope for. But last season was simply remarkable. Unfancied by many, with a coronavirus interruption to contend with, Elche made it to the playoffs. Under Pacheta's expert tutelage, they beat Ralph Valladolid and then Girona without conceding a single goal in the playoffs. Elche were back in La Liga and Pacheta was the man who made it happen. Sadly, they parted ways in the closed season, but fans will always adore him, not least for realising Nino's career-long dream of finally playing for Elche in the top flight.
1: The fans really will always adore Pachetta, just like they appreciate any figure who gives their all for the club. It's time now to hear a little more about the Elche fans themselves and what this fanbase is like, and we'll do that with David Hayes, who runs Eurotourguide.com, along with his wife, Jessica, and who attends Elche games along with local and international fans alike. Here's David on what the city and the stadium have to offer.
4: The special spirit that exists in the city of Elche also exists in the martinez Belero, the stadium of the local La Liga team. Elche, as it is called in the local Valenciano language, has a strong history featuring the dama de Elche, an iconic statue from the Iberian time, which was discovered in pristine condition at the turn of the 19th century. And it's two UNESCO World Heritage Awards, one for the thousands of palm trees, which were originally planted by the Romans, and two, the unique medieval mystery play, which represents the Assumption of Mary. Today, the city is the 19th largest municipality within Spain and creates a charmingly friendly atmosphere. This is perhaps what will make a visit to the Martinez Bolero a unique experience. The small-town family feel of Elche resonates through the stadium every match day, as families and friends meet, creating a welcoming environment. The team and the fans are known as both the Frankie Verdes, the whites and greens a reflection of the palm leaves, and also as the Illicitanos, a throwback to the Roman name for the city. The Martínez Bolero is located in the Altobix Barrio, or neighbourhood, where the Rotunda Bandera displays a huge club flag. On match days, the city has a special buzz, as supporters wear their green and white club colours. They travel from throughout the Costa Blanca to support the team, and in more recent years, the number of international season ticket holders and supporters has grown as many expats choose this area for retirement, second homes, or a place to holiday. My wife Jess and I take great pride in introducing new fans to the club, many who have become hooked and follow LGCF's story, along with keeping up to date with all the news from the admin team via the LGCF English speaking Facebook page. The friendliness of the club is generated by the pre-match gatherings which take place in the bars that have been built into the walls at the base of the stadium. The bars extend their outside areas, filling the air with the glorious aromas of barbecue meat as they produce hundreds of bocadillos and serve many chilled cervetas. The home and the way fans tend to intermingle in this party-like atmosphere, and a stop at the Peña Bar is a must. Here the fans are more vocal, and there will always be someone from the other team ready with a drum or a scarf for selfies. This unusual design makes supporters tend to arrive early for drinks before a very short walk to their seats to sing the anthem. From the outside of the NV, as we call it, it's fair to say it looks old and rustic and it's not a modern stadium. But inside, wow, every seat has a great view, even the ones in the top tier, which have not been open whilst we've been languishing in the lower leagues. The last La Liga matches which spectators attended were back in the 2014 era and the atmosphere was magic. The Elche faithful filled all the areas week in, week out, whilst the two to 3,000 away fans were high up on the second ring. First-timers will always remember the teams arriving on the turf. The whole stadium erupts into song, passionately singing the town's anthem, which is based on the city's history and features the Dharma and the Date Palms. Scarfs are held aloft, a sign of solidarity and the real motivation for our team, as well as being a great moment for the camera. We hope one day you too can enjoy a game here in the beautiful city of Elche, and let's hope come May we too can be back in our beloved Martinez Bolero for another season in La Liga. Mucho Elche!
1: Thanks for that, David, for the lowdown on the Elche matchday experience. It really is a beautiful city and a stadium that's low-key one of the more impressive in Spain. We've reached the end now of this episode about Elche and I want to thank all the contributors to it. That's Roman de Arquer, Paco Pollitt, Matt Clark and David Hayes. I've been your host, Jim McTeer, and remember, we are La Liga Lowdown. You can find us online and on social media with a quick search. For now, thanks for listening to this episode and we hope you'll join us again soon.